That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, how's it going in uh, Poo York City? You know, we're uh, uh, spring has sprung, uh, the summer's around the corner, and we're all feeling great. So, uh, you know, just excited to be with you once again, Aaron, and record another same old song. So uh, just a couple of weeks out before I head to Spain to walk the Camino and uh, earn an indulgence. That's right. So for those of you that don't know, I was on sabbatical last summer. Jake took a partial sabbatical, but is getting the rest of a sabbatical this summer. So pretty Mm. soon you'll start listening to episodes over the course of the summer that we recorded way in advance. So if there's big cultural uh, watershed moments or breaking global news that we don't mention in those podcasts, you'll know why. Uh, We're getting it all done. So you can practice good self-care, walk the Camino, and uh, have um, revelatory experiences. I always do. I always do. It's it's an amazing and profound experience to walk the Camino. And if you ever have a chance, dear listener, I encourage you to do it. So, um, and And if you don't know what it is, it's a really long walk in Spain where you go to the, Mm -hmm. where St. James is buried. uh, Yeah. And, uh, St. James the Great, not the less, and not the the brother of our Lord, and not the brother of our Lord either. Did you know his companion was, uh, one of St. James the Great's companion in Spain was, uh, St., um, um, uh, Pelagius. And so anyway, I walked past this church that was called St. Pelagius, but it's a different Pelagius. So confusing. I guess it's like, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, Adolf was like the number one name in Germany for a long time until where like nobody names their kids Adolf or Judas nope. and nobody names their churches or kids Pelagius either anymore. But evidently it was a very common name. So in those days. So anyway, I digress. Uh, we are in the middle of June. I have an uncle and this Adolfo. Is, and a grandfather Adolfo, but it's okay Adolfo, in Mexico. Yeah. It's like it doesn't yeah. sound the same. It's like totally different. It's true. I didn't even know that meant Adolf. So I have a question kidding. for you. Huh? Why is Saint James in Spanish called San Diego? Do you know? Oh, because yes, I do. Why is it not <laughs> San Jaime? Because uh, uh, James is also another name for Jacob. And so, yeah, because actually Spanish, in Greek it's Jacob, but when King James uh, translated the Bible, he was like, How about we translate Jacob into James? Yeah, it's and so, similar, and, and it's my name. Um, oh. And and so, in, ooh, that's good, but in uh, Spanish, uh, Jacob in Spanish is Jacobo, and so Santiago, it kind of all comes together. So, anyway. Ah, there we go. Thanks. Well, you learned something today, kids. Aren't you glad you turned the same old song? But we mm-hmm. that that's concludes not... another episode because <laughs> yeah, we got to record done. three of them today. So, Let me anyway. just read just lectionarypage.net, people. You can do it. All right. So this is the second Sunday after Pentecost, which means we've now properly explained the Trinity last Sunday. People have no more questions about that. Mm-hmm. And now the we're just really green. Yep, we're Ooh. getting into just ordinary time here. All right. The long, long Sundays after Pentecost until. Mm-hmm. 
we uh, will hit Christ the King in November and then into Advent and a new church year. But if, you have if a choice. Yeah, you got a choice. Choose your own adventure. Uh, if you're an Episcopalian uh, or uh, someone else, you know, there's, I don't know what they do in other places, but we have track one. We don't one know, and, and we don't care. We have true. <laughs> we have track one and track two. And so, and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about the difference between track one and track two, Aaron. Well, Jake, it's like uh, these many uh dualist options in life. Which one are you going to do? Uh, mm. Are you going to like the Beatles or the Stones? Are you going to like chocolate or vanilla? Here, are you going to go history or thematics? Yeah, so track one, basically the readings are all the same except for the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scripture readings. And if you pick track one, you'll be reading sort of chronologically through the Hebrew Scriptures. If you do track two, you're going to bounce around a lot more in the Old Testament, but you'll have... Um, readings that supposedly or hopefully are going to be more thematically yes. linked to the other That's readings. That's the idea. And the other thing, track one readings, generally speaking, are much longer. Track two readings are shorter. So this ha this is an option basically in summertime. At ordinary time, you go to track one or track two. So if you haven't picked now, preachers, and you're listening to this as it first drops, just know that you have to pick one and sort of stick with it for the rest of the summer. And we're going to be walking through over the course of our Same Old Song podcast, we're going to be doing track two. We're going to be yeah. merciful, choose the shorter readings, and the ones that are thematically linked to the passage. Because honestly, even though track one does kind of go chronologically, historically, through the people of Israel, it still skips so much because the Old Testament is so huge. You still mm. end up jumping around a lot. And um, it's, you know, it, 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 it's, it's um, yeah, it's just a lot. So... And, and, yeah. and, and let's be honest, how many of us are preaching in the Old Testament? I mean, some so, of us, hopefully, <laughs> praise God. Occasionally we do, but, you know. Listen to your inner Marcy and I comes I out, know, so but I'm anyway, not, I'm not. I, it's the Word of God. I love it. And I have preached and I will preach from it. But generally speaking, so, I think it's true that most people don't preach from it. And so we're going to do the shorter reading and we're going to track two. Indeed. And so our readings today, our, our lessons today, if you will, are Isaiah 65, verses 1 through 9. Then we jump into Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 to 29. And then Luke chapter 8, 26 through 39, a little Halloween in the middle of summer. That's so, right. Um, Possession, ooh, pigs. So, uh, um, but what, well, so we come to Isaiah 65, verses 1 through 9, and, uh, and uh, this, is a, uh, this is a tough reading. Um, you know, I think it's important to remember when uh, you're looking at the, the, the prophet Isaiah, you know, you could call it the gospel according to Isaiah, but um, basically what the prophet has done, what God is doing through the prophet is he's putting uh, Israel on trial. And uh, on one level, um, Isaiah 65, verses 1 through 9, you know, maybe you've been watching Johnny Depp in that great trial. I know my son has. He came home and he, the other day and he was like, Dad, I think Johnny Depp's innocent. <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's completely talking about this. He's been watching it on TikTok. And so anyway, manage what your kids are watching. Seriously. But, uh, Isaiah 65, verses 1 through 9, God has Israel on trial. And... Uh, and uh, this is a little bit tough love, but it opens up and he says, I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be found by those who did not seek, seek me. This is the accusation. I even said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call out my name. And I held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. 
So this is the accusation here. I mean, basically, it's uh, these are my people. I've been with them. I've been like, hey, hey, hey. And uh, they uh, want to go uh, the other way. And I think one of the things that you can preach on uh, from this passage is that this is not only a description of Israel, but this is a description of all of humanity, really, you know? And, uh, and so this is uh, laying out who we are. Um, but then uh, there comes a little bit of the wrath, and it's a little scary. And he says, you know, uh, see it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will indeed repay into their laps their iniquities and their ancestors and their iniquities together, says the Lord. Um, uh, you know, and so this is the law. So here you are, this is what's going to happen. But then it says, I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, inheritors of my mountain. You know, they didn't earn it. My chosen shall inherit it, and my servants shall settle there. And indeed, there at the base of the cross, uh, we find that indeed uh, the payment has happened, and it's happened upon uh, uh, Jesus for you. And uh, because of that, uh, you have been saved, and you who were not his people have become God's people. And that's just a very quick, simple law gospel way of preaching that passage. And uh, that's typically how I approach Isaiah. What, what would you say, Aaron? Anything in particular? Yeah, one of the things I really like about details this. I missed. Uh, if we don't have time to go into all the things you missed, but some of the thing, <laughs> one of the things that I really like to talk about in this passage is uh, the way it describes the human capacity to be total hypocrites and yeah. to not get better on our own, despite mm. a loving God who invites us to return. So it's this beautiful picture saying, here I am, as you said, like, hello, hello. Um, I'm holding out my hands. I love these people. They're not seeking me, but I, but I'm seeking them. Like, um, you know, uh, it's like a, a marriage where one person is like always trying to uh, reignite the spark and like play out of romance or let's go on a trip and the other spouse is just like whatever. So, um, but God just won't quit. And there's this amazing description of the people of Israel who again have seen God do miraculous, incredible things. They have the revelation, they have the testimony, they have all this. And yet there, and you get this list of things they're doing these idolatrous practices, this fascinating one, because it's, it's kind of a peek into the culture they were in and what other religious groups were doing, spending, and it sounds really creepy, you know, you mentioned Halloween uh, in the summer, and this passage is a little Halloween-y too, like they're spending all night in a tomb, uh, and uh, they have... That's, those are pagan practices. Yeah, these are all pa- like kind of communing with the dead, invoking mm-hmm. gods of death, other, like other idolatrous deities sacrificing uh, in gardens and offering incense on bricks. I love how it talks about a broth of abominable things in their vessels. Uh, I don't know what it was, but I sort of, I picture some kind of, um, like an Irish car bomb, you know, like this a drink. A delicious confit. Something, who knows, like something bubbling and, <laughs> you know, curdling and all that stuff. So, and in verse five, keep they, they, these are people who say, keep to yourself, don't come near me, I'm too holy for you. Uh, like, so they're kind of arrogant about their religious practices and they think they're really special. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's this, there's this kind of uh, irony because these are people offering incense, but God says, this is like a nasty smoke in my nostrils. Yeah. And uh, so I think to me, it evidences the human condition God calls to us, we continually run away and just do things where we, we, we hedge our bets all the time. Um, you know, do we get our hope, security, trust, 
faith, love, all that from God, or do we get it from all these other things we worship that sort of, mm. and you know, we tend to read this passage and think we're not like that, but we actually are like that all the time. If there's something you need um, that you sort of give time and energy to in order to make yourself feel numb or feel okay or feel happy or whatever, that's there's a, there's a nature of idolatry. You're sacrificing part of yourself to get your life to work out the way you want instead mm. of turning to Jesus. That's and good. so these are ancient ways of doing that. There's plenty of modern days we do that. So that's something else you can talk to. Just uh, Dave Zoll's low anthropology is written all over here. You're the people of Israel. You have the Ark of the Covenant. You've seen these miracles, and yet you're drinking a broth of abominable things. Who knows what it is? It's probably wow, like it's good. probably a bunch of shrimp that have not been deveined, so there's still like the poop line down the back of the shrimp. <laughs> I think that's what they're probably probably eating. Uh, so then we go on to Galatians chapter three, classic text. This is like you know greatest hits of the Bible right here. Um, this mm. idea here uh, in verse 24 that the law is our disciplinarian and this is paul this is a little snippet of paul's whole description of what the gospel is and how it works in our lives and um he is basically saying the before and after and before mm -hmm. we had this thing called the law and he's answering the question of sort of what is the role of the law what is god's law ten commandments and the 600 plus other commandments in the old testament like uh what what was the point of all that if Jesus sets us free, why is this thing? And he says the law was our disciplinarian, or the old translation, our schoolmaster. That it was something that was supposed to bring us to the end of ourselves, like uh, that would um, make us realize we can't keep it. And then when mm -hmm. Jesus comes, we are justified by faith. And so we're no longer subject to the disciplinarian. And there's so much about this you could say. You could talk away the church always seems to love to run back into the arms of the law. Um, there's a great Derek Webb song where he says, don't talk to me about freedom and responsibility. Just give me another shot of grape juice. Like give me a new mm -hmm. law. He says over, like just tell me what the rules are so I can follow it. And, uh, and there are people that want to go back to the law still today. What do I have to do? How do I have to, what do I need to do to follow God? And there are plenty of preachers will tell you. But what he's saying here is, no, you're no longer subject to that. And that, and because of that, all those distinctions between human beings, different ways of fulfilling the law, Jew, Greek, male, female, slave, free, social distinctions, class distinctions, economic distinctions, all that becomes meaningless because we're all one in Jesus. There's no more rule book by which we can measure our performance and therefore identify ourselves and measure ourselves and define who we are. All that fades away. So it's great stuff. What would you say? I mm. kind of got I got off on a tear there. I was really excited. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, this is this is the very heartbeat of um, of a Christianity, you know. And this this passage, um, it's interesting. The uh, the Greek word there for guardian or teacher is pedagogus, and uh, that Paul uses here. And uh, now you you know, do we want to use a uh, Greek or whatever? But um. Uh, the disciplinarian, the word disciplinarian in the Greek is actually a pedagogist. And an interesting illustration about the pedagogist is, and this goes all the way back to uh, the early church fathers, specifically Clement. He describes the pedagogist as basically the meanest babysitter the world has ever known. Uh, Pedagogists were typically uh, um, were typically slaves in a household, a noble household, who were incapable typically of doing any other work, and so therefore they were like typically really brutal. Uh, they uh, Clement describes them as often drunk, and uh, all they did was inspire fear in the children they often watched. And so, but what a perfect description of the law. 
It's like Dolores it Umbridge you, or something. Yeah, it totally. It keeps telling you you're wrong and you need to do better. You know, that that's all the pedagogist can do. It can only reveal, it can't do anything better. And you'd have all these children like huddled in a corner freaking out. And so, and the other thing is, is that the pedagogist, the disciplinarian was never a member of the family. He just told members of the family what to do. Mm. And what Paul, what he's getting at here is that you're a member of the family and you want to go back to like the mean babysitter. You know, our relationship now is totally different. And it's different because of faith. That's the key thing. And, and you know, what you want to hit on here, too, is that faith isn't some sort of, like, acceptable form of superstition. You know what mm. I mean? Oh, I just got a lot of faith. You know? No, no. Uh, faith, uh, just in Galatians, especially when you're preaching Galatians, replace the word faith with whatever is going to get you through the night. And it's definitely not a pedagogist. And it's not yourself. It's Jesus. And so, you know, because of Jesus... You and I, Jesus was an offspring of Abraham, and now we are offspring. We are, the, the actual Greek there is heirs singular. It's heir singular. We are an heir of Abraham as well. And so uh, that, that's the good thing. And, and so that's the thing you want to hit on is that you're, you're, you're a part of the family. Don't go back to the mean, grouchy babysitter. That's right. And Christianity should feel like freedom and joy. And if it doesn't, maybe you're under a pedagogist <laughs> and not uh, not the law or not the... Not I mean, the I just pictured like a Krumpus. That's <laughs> what I think of when I think of the disciplinarian. You know, these, uh, for some reason, like Southern Germany and Austria, people think monsters are good at keeping children straight. You know what I mean? And it just terrifies them. I, but that's, I think about so, the... So, therefore, the law was our Krumpus until Christ came. <laughs> the... Uh, you know the in Annie the um, the <laughs> Mrs. Hannigan. Yes, Mrs. Hannigan. Oh my God! She's like uh, drunk she's and mean and terrible. Me. Yeah, that's right. Hey, yeah. Mrs. Hannigan. Yeah. And then remember her crazy ass boyfriend, the rooster. <laughs> yes. Uh. <laughs> oh, he scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> now you're you're and you're still in recovery. Clearly, I didn't mean to bring up this, yeah, such a sensitive. I have a, I have a therapy appointment tomorrow at four p.m. That's right. So thank you, Dr. Lee Fleischer. So anyway, <laughs> today's but, uh, episode um, brought to you by Jake's therapist. All right, <laughs> Luke chapter eight. Uh, this is the story of the Gerasenes. Uh, this place near Galilee, in opposite the sea. It's on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. You can go there today. Uh, it's kind of a ruin now, actually, but. Um, a man with lots of demons, and um, this is where he says his name is Legion. Again, really famous story. Uh, this is like the name. There's like a horror movie, right, called Legion, kind of based on this passage. And Jesus gives these demons that have possessed this man freedom to go into, uh, like he casts them out of the man, but they say, we need, you know, basically give us a place to live. If you're going to evict us, give us another place to live. And so he allows them to go into a bunch of swine, a herd of pigs, and they do, and the pigs immediately are seized with this kind of panic, and they, they run off the side of a cliff, and they all drown in the lake. Um, and... The people ask Jesus to leave because they're terrified that this power is among him. And there's a lot of stuff you could talk about here. And I think one of the things, I think one of the most important things you were preaching on this is just this man is supposed to be sort of representative of what it means to be a human being, which means we have things inside of us, many, many things inside of us that we can't control. I'm not saying everybody is possessed. I'm not saying you need to do an exorcism from the pulpit, but see this, see this person 
this uh although that'd be cool it would be, it'd be amazing <laughs> uh but see this as kind of a rep like this is someone who represents the human condition and what yes. jesus and and it's also represented clearly he's under guard bound with chains and shackles so if mm. you've been if you have something in your life that you you want to fix you want to change it seems out of control so you shackle yourself you um uh by sheer will power or whatever you will change i will get better i'm gonna i'm gonna throw out all my um pour all my alcohol down the drain i'm gonna get i'm gonna install some sort of monitoring software on my web browser or i'm gonna uh i'm gonna delete this person's contact information from my phone whatever the thing is that you keep going back to i'm gonna control it so this guy is shackled with chains to prevent himself from kind of getting out of control but he always breaks the bonds this is what human beings do whatever ways we try to control ourselves we tend to just jump the fence this is what the guy does and um what's wonderful too i think um uh is uh this this beautiful thing in verse 35 they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of jesus clothed and in his right mind it's just a beautiful picture of healing so I'm much more interested in that than in like, why did the demons need to go into the pigs? And isn't that not cool of Jesus to mess up this poor swineherd's whole like entrepreneurial pig hustling business? <laughs> yeah, like, like, you know, bacon's about to get why really are expensive. They, why are they raising pigs? Yeah, you know, just, yeah, on, and it's like, I mean, it's you know, it's it's interesting Bible trivia, but. Um, the other thing too, being an area with pigs, this is obviously Gentile. So this is another example of Jesus uh, serving people who were not really allowed in at God's table, according to the the wisdom of the of the day in his own Jewish community. So, um, uh, yeah, that's some of the things I would talk about. What else would you talk about, Jake? Well, another thing I would not do is talk about how, you know, they just, they didn't understand modern day psychology. And so this man had like a mental health issue. Um, no, this is, this is uh, the demonic. And, uh, and uh, one of the things, one of the themes in, in Luke's gospel is, is that Jesus has authority over nature. He has authority over different things and uh, uh, well-being is another. And he has authority over demonic forces. Uh, this is one of the one of the attributes of the Messiah, and so what Jesus is encountering here is not mental health, and uh, there are a lot of people who have uh, deal with mental health issues, and uh, I think um, you uh, confuse the issues and you conflate issues, and you you mess all sorts of people. Well, why won't God heal me of this? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And which becomes a, which is which is a real issue, and so don't do that. Um, uh, what I, you do want to say, though, is that this is the demonic, and so what we see here is, is that the Messiah, I mean, the town is terrified. The town is terrified of this man, and uh, they avoid him, and uh, uh, James Tussaud has an amazing picture of him, you know, and he's just like running around naked, and literally naked, and, um, and so, but Jesus has authority over the demonic. And then I think exactly what you said is that we all kind of, this man is a type of, in one way of all of us, bound and, and, and shamed. Um, and then uh, the other response too, though, is that when, when, when God encounters your life, uh, you know, when God really meets you right where you're at um, and begins to set you free, uh, well, people aren't going to like it. Mm. 
you know, they're kind of used to the status quo. I mean, I always find that fascinating. They're terrified not only of the power, but they don't like the fact that they healed this man. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, uh, but the amazing love has transformed this guy. Yeah. And, uh, and he knows something has happened. And indeed, when God uh, touches your heart, well, you can lay on the couch and eat grapes for the rest of your life, but you won't. You won't. Uh, he returns home and uh, declares how much God has done for him. And I can't help but think of that great Wesley hymn, um, And Can It Be That I Should Gain? I almost cry every time that, song, that hymn comes on. Mm-hmm. But it, the verse 4 goes, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused, quickening what ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. And uh, indeed, that is what the amazing love does, is that uh, you, can't, you can't help but follow Jesus and, and tell everybody about what he's done for you. Yep, and just to clarify for our listeners, that he's talking... Uh, about Charles Wesley and not Wesley Snipes. It's a oh. common mistake. <laughs> That's right. Not Wesley Snipes from Blade, but uh, Charles Wesley, the great evangelist. That's right. Anglican so. priest. All right. Well, that'll do it for uh, the second Sunday after Pentecost. And uh, mm. uh, we'll see you again as we head deep into the summer readings when um, Jake's uh, uh, hometown of Manhattan starts to smell really bad. Uh, and, Absolutely. But, well, we'll talk more about that next week. All right. Bye, Jake. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.